0: A few changes on our website to celebrate a milestone, a few changes in the Irish women's setup both on and off the pitch, and will some attitudes towards Leinster rugby ever change at all? It's time to start harping on rugby. the fan site covering all things to do with Leinster in Ireland since 2008. My name is Jeff Pagano, and once again, I've been joined by my fellow fans to harp on what's going on in the rugby sphere. This is the first episode of the fourth season of our podcast, but also we are recording on the 14th anniversary of Harping on Rugby as an online entity. Back on August 21st, 2008, I posted my first blog, which featured a full match report from Leinster's preseason win over Italian club Padova. Did I write that report myself or did I copy paste it from RTE.ie? I guess it's too long ago for me to remember but the fact is (laughs) since then we've produced tons and tons of original content and we very much look forward to another exciting season if you followed us before you will probably notice we've given harpen and rugby a new coat of paint over the off season new logo new pod intro new website address harpenrugby.com instead of net but probably the biggest change is that we're switching from an article-based site to a podcast and video-based one you'll find out more about that as we get closer to the new season kicking off with me this week are three of our top contributors. First, it's our record cap holder here, earning cap number 30. Welcome to Mr. Neil Keigo Keegan.
1: How are we? Uh, Jeff? to you, happy anniversary. And to the lads, it is great to see your beautiful faces. How are you?
0: Very good, sir. I heard you were um, at the RDS today, but there was jumping that wasn't to do with lineance.
1: Oh, it was... Look, it was awful. I'm used to cheering for horses like Vander Flair, Ruddock, Sexton. Today it was Trixie, Melon's... Uh, and all sorts of stuff. The horse show is on and they are desecrating our hallowed turf. There was the things they were doing to the try line by the Anglesey stand. I can't even say to you, lads, I'm still drinking Prosecco. That's how dodgy the whole day was. So, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get over it. But, uh, yeah, hopefully the pitch is fixed. That's all I'm going to say. Like some of those horses were earlier on.
0: <laughs> Definitely. And um, I understand you're, you're, you've are you're been really ramping up the, the, the comedy gigs lately. You've got a lot going on this week.
1: Yeah, we're flying, actually. Uh, we're, we're out in, in the middle of town this week and then we're finishing off in Stephen's Green. So, uh, yeah, obviously, kegolives.com, if you fancy getting a few tickets and popping in and uh instead of putting me in your ears i can cover all the other senses so it'll be great
0: yeah and as always all the links to all that is, you'll find in the program notes and so be sure to check that out okay so next we have someone making his 19th appearance on the podcast but he's done a lot more harping than that over the years with a load of blogs and comments hello to mr connor cronin
2: good evening lads how are we he's coming good to, to back us again?
0: coming to us from the um, <laughs> uh, space station around uh, the iss space station Did anyone looking here on video uh, how are things with yourself
2: all good, all good. Actually, coming from my car, so the space station looks <laughs> bit. <better than that. laughs>
0: <laughs> and our final guest is coming to us from the Royal County of Meath. I looked back over the records, and he only made his debut exactly one year ago to the day, but is still now making his 50th appearance. Welcome to Mr. Tom Coleman.
3: Ladies and gentlemen. Happy anniversary to you as well, Jeff.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I looked back, and it was it was exactly August twenty first, two thousand twenty one. You, you you did your first uh, you did your first pod, and you've been fl- flying ever since. So it's good yeah. good to yeah. have so you like back.
3: It it's been good
0: fun doing it. Okay, okay, right, gents. Uh, before we get on with today's main topic, uh, first of all, we have the Irish women's team who's on a historic tour of Japan. After a shaky start, the girls ran on to a 57-22 win. Uh, what do we make of it, Connor?
2: Um, I tuned in to TG Kahari yesterday and was disgusted to see people, ju- ju- just the, the panel sitting there having a chat. And you know my my girl isn't the best at uh, at any stage, so I'm kind of figuring I is this delayed coverage or what's going on? But they were having technical difficulties, so I was relying on the internet to tell me how the girls were actually doing. And by the time it went live, they were twelve nil down, uh, which looked really really ominous. From it was two tries in within the space of a couple of minutes. Um, and by the time they got to six minutes, say 12 nil down, um, they very, very quickly put that behind them and absolutely had a cracking game. Yeah, there were another couple of... Uh, sorry, another one-lead try and one penalty. Their scrum was incredibly dominant, as was the line-out. They looked well-prepared, well-up for it. Um, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on women's rugby... But I really enjoyed watching the game. I think they had a really strong, um, really strong performance. Some some players really putting their hand up for for everything going forward, not just for this tour, but for Six Nations, for Autumn Internationals, the whole lot. Um, it's great to see that the women's game has that much promise, and great to see that with. The contracts that are going to be upcoming as a result of having... Yeah, and Gillian McDarby in as the IRFU head of Women's Performance and Pathways and a head coach who's really got the measure of the squad around him because he's used them all really well throughout that game and absolutely brilliant to see. Running in 50 points against any side is great to see. So, delighted with the with that win for the ladies...
0: Yeah, no, it's um, it, it was it was great to see. I mean, obviously the you know Tj Car had a couple of uh, technical difficulties at the start. It wasn't even probably their fault. It's just a feed from the other side of the world. But I mean, it doesn't take from their um, covering the game at all. I mean, it's brilliant to have it on uh, Tj Car on, on Saturday morning. Like for the next two weeks, it's a second test as well next week. But even yeah. after that, it was a shaky start for the girls, and it was an experimental team. Um, it was an experienced pack, but they had like something like four new new caps in the backs, including out half, playing out half, uh, test out half for the first time at Dan O'Brien. And so it was a really experimental team, and they grew into the game really well. And it was when they, when they had their set pieces that they really came to the fore, which really shows how well they've been coached um they just need to get uh, the use of running the game and stuff and there were some amazing performances throughout I thought so I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good
2: my seven-year-old daughter was delighted to sit there with me and watch throughout and it's brilliant to say to have the coverage there and this whole 20 by 20 um initiative you know if they can't see it they can't be it great to have young women able to see that
0: Absolutely. And the thing and the, the thing about the the, the you, you almost think that the the sky is the limit for this team, because, I mean, I've been I've been watching the team since 2012, 2013, when they were winning Grand Slams and getting to World Cup semifinals and stuff. And I remember that team and just how how great a, some amazing players were in that team. Like I always noticed the loose head prop. There was Fiona and the captain. And um, you think that, oh, my God, this is the greatest Ireland's going to get in this but then she retires. Then along comes Lindsay Peace and you're like, oh my God, like then she comes along and she does everything she did and then she she retires, but then along comes Linda gang. There's new players coming along in pretty much every position. It's amazing. And then you had Dan O'Brien growing into the game as well as she did. It was just an amazing performance all around. Can you go?
1: Yeah, aside from all of that stuff, which is massively important, doing the business on the pitch is always great. The coverage of the uh, of the tour has been it's exactly the same template as the fellas going on tour. So they have the the lead up, they have the the spare time, all that sort of stuff. They have the post match interviews, they have the day after wrap ups. It's it's giving more legitimacy to the women's game. That aside, along with Gillian, as you said, along with contracts, as you said, it is being treated more seriously now as a game. And so, uh, you know, Connor hit it on the head there. I've got I've got twin girls here. I you know I want them to get into rugby and enjoy rugby. I can sit with them. Now, watch the highlights. They won't sit through a whole game, but they could sit, watch the highlights, watch women play the game to a really, really high level. Much like the, the football the other week where the, the the standard was really high. We're starting to, to see when when the business end of sport interacts with top-level sport, everyone wins. And that's starting to happen for the women's game.
3: It's absolutely brilliant to see. Tom? Yeah, I didn't actually see the game. I was away in Scotland with the family, but... Uh there was some great news before I went away. reading about the contracts that was all passed out with the RFU for you know 7s and 15 players as kego touched on so that, that was brilliant news um, just from my own point of view uh, you know I've mentioned on the pod before I'm involved with coaching under 16 under 18 girls out in Scaries and um, Dan O'Brien is the girl I've come across coaching against and reffing games where she's been involved so you know we're going back pre-season there just before we went to holidays and we able to mention to the to team, here's here's a girl you played against. Here's, you know, uh, Dan O'Brien from Tullow. And um, it really sort of cements a pathway for girls that are playing rugby to see somebody who's a peer, who they might have played. You know, she played for Leinster Southeast originally um, against the Northeast or, or, or Metro, which is Dublin, or the Midlands. <clears throat> and so they can see they played against these players. And there's, you know, more and more of these players are coming through. So it's not just as you said, the 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 names from the past, which which are sort of the standard bearers for the Irish present Irish rugby team you mentioned, the names there, um Jeff. So it's it's this new new group trim coming through and all these girls that are playing rugby around the province when we're talking with Leinster, um can see these these players like Dan O'Brien and go, you know, yeah, I was on the pitch with her. And look where she is now. She's out playing number 10 for Ireland in, in Japan. And she doesn't look out of place, so it's a real fill-up for 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 girls that are playing rugby up and down the province and up and down the country, obviously. Um yeah, just 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 it was a real breath of fresh air, any of the reports I read on, on, on the on the game.
0: But uh, but another thing about the former players is that um I think that the team is benefiting as well from even just having one of them uh, as a coach. You've got uh of Brakes there, uh co- coaching the girls, and she she was from that great team as well from the from the past. And just that kind of influence coming through, just to be in the just to be influenced by someone who has worn the jersey themselves and been and played the game themselves has has been a real influence. And it's uh, it's really a lot to look forward to. They're not in the Fifteens World Cup, but they are in the Sevens World Cup. So there's a lot to look forward to this season. And there's a Six Nations campaign. they be interprovincials and all. So we'll be keeping in touch with them as, as the season goes on. So definitely, definitely a lot to look forward to. OK now we're going on to our main topic for tonight. And this is, this is something I wanted to talk about in the pod for a, for a long time now. Um, Just big, but when we're in the midst of a season, there's last week's game and next week's game, there's always something to talk about. So I think this is the time to finally do it. I've, I've, I've got, got a few fellow Lencer fans along to finally, finally um, have a chat about this and see what we can do. So here, so, so here we go. Last November, when the Irish Match Day squad was announced to face Japan to start the autumn series, there were 12 Leinster players in the starting 15. This predictably led to a lot of outrage on Twitter and such. And I say predictable because there has always been a perception in some quarters that there's favoritism towards the province. And I guess what I want to do here is maybe explore some of that perception with some fellow Leinster fans. This is something I've come to call the ABL or anyone but Leinster narrative. As we all know, The team went on a really successful run from there, perfect in November, a strong second-place finish, plus a triple crown in the Six Nations. And we all know what happened in New Zealand just a few weeks ago, and it was all pretty much with the same core squad of players. So was the selection proof of bias after all, or was it just a case of Andy Farrell knowing the job he wanted done, selecting the players he felt could do the job, and then ultimately getting it done? So I've asked the lads on to discuss if there is an ABL narrative in the Irish rugby sphere and if so, should Leinster fans respond in kind, should we just ignore it, or is it possible to get to a point where we can have decent banter on provincial weekends but stand shoulder to shoulder on test ones.
1: We'll start with yourself, <laughs> Uh Banter, no, that's gone. Um, we, we can't have banter anymore, unfortunately. We've got to start off like this. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Munster wore it for a long, long time. Uh, they haven't been near a crown. Um, they they might have had a couple of crowns put in their teeth, but they haven't had any crowns on their head. So that's where we're at and you pick on form you pick part of the team that is doing the business there's one team doing the business that's not listen i'm not wearing a jersey i'm not wearing blue underwear today this is preseason i'm not wearing any underwear today uh, apologies for the mental image jeff told me not to mention that earlier on but you you pick you pick from the team that is doing the business it is that simple there could be ABL there can be uh, whatever it doesn't matter i don't listen to it because it doesn't matter Farrell is picking from the team that is performing. And he's picking players from the other teams also. You look at O'Mahony, you look at Earl's leading out the team during the week. You look at Mac Hansen, you look at Bundiaki, you look at the lads from up north. It, like there's no I've been in the head a lot of times, lads. I've told you about my head trauma. It doesn't make any sense, this ABL thing, when Farrell in particular, is picking from all provinces. He's picking the foreign players. So it's a lazy narrative. It's ordinary level stuff. We are better than that. He is picking the bulk of the bulk of the squad from the team that is performing. If he didn't do that, we would be complaining. If he didn't do that, it'd be bad management. It's lazy. It's it's all off the ball stuff. It's it's nonsense.
0: I suppose that when that team was originally picked with twelve Leinster, I mean, I, I suppose when you think of it that way, it doesn't look good. But I think the media plays a part in this as well because what, what happened then was you had you had articles and, and uh, tweets from like, like the, the national newspapers saying oh the team has this many players from this province this many players from that province and this is where they all went to school and this is where they were all born and all that stuff and they just drop it out there and let it all let it all play out the way it is and uh, and it's kind of that that kind of encourages that kind of conversation as well which is a shame and even even us having this challenge and, and putting it out on the internet could be considered, oh, you're just doing that for for a controversy. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't brought it up. But I just I just feel this is something maybe as Leinster fans, we need to talk about just to see, is it something, like you say yourself, is it something that's that, we, that needs to matter? Do we need to acknowledge it exists? Do we need to ignore it? Uh, what, do you, what do you think,
2: Connor? I think we have to acknowledge that it exists because you see, I mean, look, but the, the, the worst thing anyone can ever do is go to the comments section. Never go to the comments section. <laughs> I mean, but
0: Except on the Harpen on Rugby Facebook page, uh, matches. Uh, www.facebook.com slash Harpin on Rugby.
2: <laughs> but you go to the comments section of some things and you get somebody saying, you know, that they hope Johnny Sexton gets smashed in the first ruck. And then you look and you're like, you're Irish. Why on earth? Are you saying something against other Irish people? Why are you saying you want Irish people to not be successful, Irish people to get hurt in a game where, and I know, you know, there's all those people who do that thing of, oh, but it's just a friendly or whatever. It's not, it's test level rugby. And you don't want anybody getting hurt. And you especially don't want your best players getting hurt. You don't want the players who are going to win you a game getting hurt. And there's absolute nonsense goes on. Look back to the sorry Champions Cup final. And I, I sent a clip into uh, in, into the WhatsApp group of a guy in Dublin airport being interviewed in his Munster jersey, being asked, who do you want to win? Oh, absolutely, La Rochelle. Absolutely. Absolutely not Leinster was his attitude. Anyone but Leinster. And yeah, they'll all use the excuse of, oh, yeah, we have to support Raj and we'll have to support... Uh, whoever else but the thing is if if you're going to support former Munster players why not Dennis Leaney there was him in the dugout with the Leinster squad it's all anti-Leinster there's a huge amount of anti-Sexton out there as well and there are those who say oh look he's too old now yeah but is Joey Carberry better than him no not at the moment Neither is Ross Byrne, neither is Ciarán Frawley. Nobody's better than him at the moment. And you have to pick, as Kegel said, you have to pick on form. I have the, the same argument with some people every time the Irish team is named, where I ask the question, who would you put in instead and why? And nine times out of ten, it's all provincial bias. It's that thing of, oh, well, I'd absolutely put in my p- player from Munster or my player from Connacht. And it's, and it's only provincial bias. It's not because they're a better player. You can't tell me, and I'm not saying this was everyone mentioned, but you can't say, for example, that Nick Timoney is better than Josh van der right now. You can't say that. It, it, it would be factually inaccurate and wrong. So you've got to go with the team that's playing the best rugby. You've got to go with the players playing the best rugby. And that's just Leinster at the moment for the most part. Not exclusively. That's why you get other teams represented in the squad. But a large number of the Leinster lads are playing better rugby than their counterparts in the same position in other provinces.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting on the Sexton point as well because, um, so, I mean, like I, like I said before, Harper and rugby has been going for like, what, 14 years? And Sexton's career has spanned those 14 years. Our first season was the season of the first Heineken Cup. And he's kind of the epicentre of where this... Um, especially playing for Ireland has the, it is kind of centered on him. I mean, first you had him or Raj, uh, playing for Ireland at all, but then when Roger retired, then it kind of evolved. And Sexton's career has gone from strength to strength. And, I mean, you, you look at his list of medals and even when he was Rassing, he had, um, he was, he, he left the pitch, uh, in the European Heideken semifinal, their team were ahead and uh, it was—he wasn't even—he wasn't even on the pitch when they lost that game to Saracens. He, he's had success everywhere he's gone, and uh, you can't really knock him. Even now, uh, he's an integral part of that win in New Zealand. So when, when you're saying you say, you know. It, I'm not even talking about the people who go to extremes and say he should be he should be injured and stuff because you get that that works both ways. There's assholes. Uh, there, there's no jersey for for assholes. Don't wear a particular jersey. They talk from either team. You get them everywhere. There's just as bad going the other way. But it, it's been interesting, is particularly with Sexton, where it was like um, it's got to a stage now where it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't be picking him because we should be developing in case he gets injured. You know, it's it's it, it that's that's kind of a way of. Um, that's, it's it's kind of evolved into that kind of argument where um, even though we know that he's going to retire at the end of the World Cup, so we've only got so many matches of him between now and then, um, that's 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 the kind of the argument now. Kigo, you're, you're literally
2: to get, to get, in, get
0: there.
1: in there. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm delighted you brought that up, right? Because that's, that's a big problem I have. They're turned, when you look at the battles that have taken place for that 10 jersey in the green, you look at what has happened to get us to Johnny Sexton. The battles that have happened that have passed that jersey on, the jersey has been taken from the previous owner. It hasn't been given away. It hasn't been, okay, Raj has enough game time. Let's give Sexton a bit of game time. It was taken. They fought for that jersey. Rog fought for that jersey. The previous guys fought for that jersey. Now, all of a sudden, because people can't step up, people can't um, take the jersey, they're going to hand it over. Now, this is not a Leinster thing. This is more important. This is a green jersey thing. We can't make our most important jersey a participation medal. Players have to step up. Now, they have to play knockout rugby. They have to perform in knockout rugby. They have to perform in the Interpros. They have to go up against Johnny Sexton and have him chasing them for 80 minutes or however long that happens. It has not happened to this point. In the 14 years that Harper and Rugby has been alive, happy anniversary again, no one has been able to chase Johnny Sexton to say, put my name on the back of that jersey. So, for me, if he's 108 years of age... And it's weekend at Bernie's, World Cup 2050, and no one can take that jersey off him. He's in in that jersey. And that's not ABL. That's logic. That's using whatever brain capacity I have. And it's very annoying when you hear people say, let's just give someone else a shot. Give them a shot. If you give someone something, they don't work for it. And that's something we do not want creeping into that jersey,
2: or any jersey for that matter,
1: or any or any jersey. Correct,
3: yes.
0: Tom, it's about time you waited on this. What do you make of it all?
3: I think the ABL thing is is real. It's uh, it's the nine hundred year old thing that since ever since Dermot McMorrow invited Strongbow and the Normans in, <laughs> I think, I think we, the rest of Ireland hasn't forgiven uh, Leinster for that. Granted, uh, myself being from the Kingdom of Meads, we had nothing to do with that at the time. So I feel slightly excluded. <laughs> but uh jokes aside, ah look, I I think the lads have touched on it. I think when you're number one, the target is on your back. Um I'm very much into you know, if I'm online um having sane this trying to have sane discussions on who should replace who. And I like Hiko said, I have no time for somebody who's just Who's just saying replace X with Y and there's no there's no there's no rationale for it. There's no tactical reason. It's just because my provincial player is better than yours. Uh, as you said for the Japanese game, it was 12 Leinster players' names and named, and it. it was a big Ferrari. It was a similar Ferrari years ago. I remember when Wales won a Slam and I think it was 13 Ospreys players, and begrudgingly the rest of Wales were sort of like, you know, because <laughs> it's not just an Irish thing. It's alive and well in Wales, and I'm sure it's alive and well in uh, in New Zealand. If there's too many Crusaders players too, but in those instances, the Ospreys were the best team in Wales. We were the best team in Ireland, and the Crusaders are the best team in New Zealand. It's interesting that the arg- the counter arguments about picking a Lancer player never really makes you know. It's never a sensible, a that argument has been made. It's 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 pure emotion, and uh, I don't mind you know touching swapping sides here for a second. I don't mind uh, uh, to. Fans from other provinces not shouting for Leinster in the Heineken Cup final. I was over Marseille and there's plenty of Munster fans there with cut out faces of Raj and it's water off a duck's back for me. You know, I've you know I've seen it up and down the you know, every Heineken Cup game have been our Heineken Cup match have been at uh, the final. I've been lucky enough to been at them all. Um it doesn't bother me. Um the same way I'm too non non-plus to Munster win, you know what I mean? So I can't I can't go, you know, you know, I'm not, this I'm only speaking for myself. I don't think this is a, a Leinster point of view. I'm non-plus if, if Munster win. Um, I don't. I don't hope they lose, or I don't hope they lose badly, or I hope that, you know. I'm happy for my mates, my friends from Limerick and, and and Kerry and Galway, if, if they're happy. You know, Grant, it's good to see. You know, the world is miserable enough, but I want more misery in your and your 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 mates for their team losing. Uh, we don't want to go down a sort of tribalism, um other sport route where it's just vitriol when 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 either. A, a player is picked for the national team or or your the other team is is you, you either want them to win or not win, um, you know, I'd be quite nonplussed about it. And again, it doesn't bother me seeing Munster fans not, you know, wearing Lara Shell jerseys or Racing jerseys as it was a few years ago with Zebo in the back or stuff like that. You know, I just shrug my shoulders and go, you know, whatever. You know, just you know, we're you know, we're there. I'd rather be there and be shouted against. And be hated slightly than not be there you know it's it's going to be relevant um you know that that's the way i would look at it from from you know the abl point of view but i try to avoid you know the emotional thing online where you know i'd be on twitter where people just are either trolling or winding up just are just you know shoulder dispassionate towards leinster for, for a lot of illogical reasons <laughs>
1: You go. Just a just a quick one, and it's it's a, a a thing that's been in my head for the last little while. When obviously at the end of every Leinster game, or more than more than not on the comment section uh, Harpen on Ruby Facebook page um, I say when you come at the Kings best not miss and aside from being a quote from the best TV show in the history of the world it is a, a gauntlet being thrown down to everybody else if you want the big if you want the big pressure if you want that big target you've got to beat the big teams if you can't do that you're just a man shouting at clouds human shouting at clouds I apologise but, but the thing that I want to point out relatively recently is the, the, the weakness of of a lot of the top teams so um, if you enjoy someone else's loss just as much as your victory you're a weak person you're a weak team uh, we saw that in New Zealand when they tried to do all that stuff with billboards and things it showed weakness if they're whatever your team is if you are cheering for a after a team's loss you are weak and if you are weak you're never going to be able to break through it's a psychology thing if you like for example anthony joshua was fighting last night as we record this he lost he fought well but uh, he was never going to win but there are people like tyson fury who are gleefully enjoying the fact that that fella lost gleefully enjoying it nearly as much as when he won that's weakness and if you if you do that for your team you are weak and that weakness will spread and your team will never be able to develop what they once have. Munster are who we're speaking about here, who I'm speaking about. There's a lot of their supporters are weak. And that's, look, there's usually a joke at the end of that, but I'm telling you the story here. They are cheering our defeats at the end of last season. You will never come back from that. So if that doesn't change, that jersey is going to remain where it is.
2: It, it's worth saying, right, that there are... Many, many, many Munster fans and, and real fans, like not these day-trippers who come into Tholmond once a year just for the Leinster game, proper mm-hmm. fans who, you know, who'll stand and they'll applaud, win, lose or draw. And that's great to see. And it's great that they've got that kind of support. Um, the last time I was in Tholmond and, you know, it, it, the proof that the banter can still be there, that this element of, you still have a bit of crack with them and it's all grand. You know, there was a fella behind me who said something about James Lowe, something happened and he had to fix his hair afterwards. And the comment (laughs) was, oh, look at him, a hair out of place. How terrible for him. (laughs) And when he scored his try, I looked back and said, see that try, not a hair out of place for that (laughs) one. And you get a bit of a laugh and you get a bit of a, uh, and afterwards you get a fair play to you. Best of luck now in your next game or whatever. And it's great. And then, you know, the problem is, the day trippers, the the fake fans, the ones who don't know one end of a rugby pitch from another, who just, as you say, that it, it's that sense of I'm going to celebrate your loss, not my victory. That's not healthy.
1: But they're supporters, though, Connor. That's the, like you're talking about supporters, where you have the banter, they understand what's happening. It's supporters versus fans. The like, conversation going on for for a long time. Fans. Okay, it's great that the sport gets popular. It brings people in that may not have been there forever. You know, a lot we're lucky that our people we've been brought to rugby matches for 100 years, but there are people who don't have that and they, they're coming in maybe from football, from other sports where it is like that, and they are fans. We're supporters of the people you're speaking about. You can have the banter, a bit of crack, have a point afterwards. The fans are the ones that are, are are ruining it for people. They're the ones who will yo-yo up and down much like a, a you know an online sports show. Again, if, I repeat, if they are celebrating a, a, a someone else's loss more or the same as their victory, if they ever get one, they are weak, and that spreads really badly through a fan base and into a team. And and once that happens, it's very very hard to come back from.
2: So is it fair to say that this ABL narrative? Do you reckon it's being it, it's a fan driven thing? Rather than a supporters-driven thing,
1: I think that's exactly what it is. And I think once once it starts taking, because I don't think Twitter's real. Twitter's ridiculous, and I think you know, five hundred people liking something on Twitter means nothing. But th- when people see that, they start writing about it. They start talking about it on, you know, uh, sports shows and things like that. And all of a sudden, people think it's a real thing, and then it gains it gains more and more steam. Like I, I think I think fans. I can't say fans are the problem because you need fans to increase the value of your game. Uh, But it's, and I do feel that there are the supporters do try and shepherd people along into the game because it is a weird sport. Rugby is very weird. It's a team-based combat sport where if I was trying to explain it to my American friends, it's, it's a it's three weeks off work because they're used to american football they're used to baseball which is rounders they're used to those kind of games to bring them in as fans it's going to take time but i do think that it is fans that are are kind of quick quick to make comment slow to think
0: i think the yeah i think the answer is um as as with everything else it's somewhere in the middle because i mean um when, when, when we're talking about these people who want us to lose, who want Leinster to lose, you're 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 talking the extremes, and like you say, they're not real. They're not real supporters. They're not real people who go in week out. They 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 have a simplistic notion, um, us against them, and blah blah blah. And it's that's I don't know if that's even what I'm talking about here. It's. Um, because you've got that at one extreme. At the other extreme, you'll have this ridiculous thing where every time we say something good about a Leinster player before Ireland, we have got to say something good about one from every other province just to even it all out and do all that. They're, they're ridiculous at both ends. And Connor, I think, hit the nail on the head when we talked about the banter. That example was brilliant. It was because that's what you want. You want that. You want that on Twitter as well. You, there, there, there's a line. It's just a question of finding the line. You can have a bit of crack on the Twitter as well, say saying something about Munster, saying have a bit of crack about Leinster, um, this, that, and the other. There's just it's a question of where is that line. And what I'm what what I was talking about here with this um, this narrative, it's not even just um, it's not even just the hope and we'll lose element of it. I mean that's that's the extreme and that is terrible. But I'm sure there's there's a good. Good for you, bit of Leinster fans as well. Who we would do that the other way if they, if that situation was happening? But it's this it's this sense of uh, well, this, these players are only being picked. Because they're Leinster, and uh, there's a favoritism towards Leinster. That's that's the sense I got from that from that particular selection against Japan, and that's that's been kind of prevalent towards the years. They, it goes back to the Dublin media um, uh, thing from years ago as well, where there's this kind of groupthink in Dublin that everything was centred around Dublin.
2: The same people were going to have said the exact same things when Declan Kidney was picking a prominently Munster pack. Spot on. And the reality is, when Deccan Kidney was picking a Munster pack, Munster had a better pack, you know. And you, you, you look to the back line, and then it was Stringer and O'Gara, four, maybe three Leinster players, and then Tommy Bow on and the, the last
0: price, yeah. And, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a, an Ulster man in disguise. But no, you know, you couldn't argue at the time. You could be disappointed for your team. You could look and you could say, oh, I wish so and so had made the squad, or I wish he'd made the team. But the reality was the best players were being picked, and that's it, it. Comes back to what Kigo was saying. You then had Leinster players looking, saying, "Okay, well, how do I get to be the best? How do I take that step up? How do I take that jersey from him and keep it?" Mm. And it's not it. If you're picking on form, there can't really be an argument. There can be a disagreement. There can be a disappointment. But it can't be arguments.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tom, it's like we've got a situation this season now where the URC, this is something they meant to do last season, but they couldn't because of COVID. You've got now you're going to have dedicated weekends. It's either going to be URC or there's going to be internationals. There's going to be no crossover for Ireland. That's That hasn't happened, I think, in the pro era. Uh, there's always been some weekends with the both. So basically, every weekend, as we're preparing for the big match of the weekend, it's either going to be a provincial Game or it's going to be a test match. Is it possible for us? I know the answer to this before I'm asking it, but I still want to ask it. Is it possible for us to be able to have a block of URC matches and Champions Cup matches? We're all cheering for our province. We all want our province to win ahead of the other ones, even if it's in Europe, whatever. Um, but then it's Ireland next week and there's a team being picked and you know, if it's the same team picked to play South Africa, they played New Zealand. Is there a possibility of us as Irish fans just coming together and just getting behind the team? Um, you know, however it's made up, whatever the makeup.
3: In short, no, because as long as you know, as Kiko touched on a bit, Twitter and every form of social media, everyone now everyone now has an opinion. You know, where before 20 years ago. The only person I heard your opinion was the guy beside you at the bar of the pub where you were giving out about Gerald's not getting picked for Ireland. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that was it. But now everybody can put the megaphone on and moan like hell and think they have a, a right to, 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 and maybe they do have a right to moan. So in short, no, I don't you know, there'll always be this discussion um, so-and-so's not getting picked and he should be picked here and and, and, and there, pick, pick there this other player should be picked. Well, look, as Connor mentioned, you know, Kidney all the way through to Andy Farrell. They're no, they're no Egypts. You know, they're they're picking the best players on what they see, and it's all about systems. I'm very much of the opinion, and I, I've been at different chats over over the years, listening to some of these coaches. You might be, you know, these they come and speak to us. Lowly coaches are just coaching around the province, and and they're very much into cohesion. Is one of the key words I keep going on about. And uh, I heard an Australian coach talking about it as well, where the heady day of Australian rugby, they were picking from two teams. They were picking from the Waratah, the New South Wales, and Queensland. And that was the time when they were winning Bledisau Cups. And as you know, you had 10 from, say, Queensland and five from... from, from and it was all about cohesion between the 9 and the 10, or the, 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 the 8 and the 9, or the 12 and 13. And it's no coincidence that over the lifetime of... Um, professional era where you had Stringer or Garrick 9 and 10, or Leinster back row, or the Munster front row back in the day, or now it's the Leinster front row, and, and even the Leinster reserve front row, you know, it hasn't changed. There were the same reasons why these players have been picked. um, A lot to do with cohesion. You're only given a short, you know, they don't realise how much of a short period the, 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 the international coach has, apart from the lead-up to a World Cup. So maybe the shorter the time he gets, is not, the better, because the World Cups haven't really worked out for us. But, it's picking on uh, cohesion and uh, you know and partnerships, and that hasn't changed going back since professional rugby in Ireland started. No, no different than you know what the Aussies are sort of crying out for. It. They they feel the more their players have got diluted across five or six teams, um, it's affected their national team. It's very hard to prove or disprove that. But look, that's that's a running theory down there with them uh, compared when they compare themselves to the All Blacks. So when I see 12 Leinster players and at a very short notice, you get a few injuries and you get Ed Byrne getting called up, you know, and this is a prime example of somebody who got castigated online going, why the hell is Enoch getting picked? Why isn't Warwick from Ulster? And I get, you know, it's I get the argument. When you're flying a guy from a plane, he's probably not able to have one training session. But if he's used to locking down beside uh, Dan Sheehan and have James Ryan tucking in behind him, that's the reason he's there. It's not maybe because he's better than Mark. It's because he knows straight away he can slot into that one-two, and the the, the tight end lock right behind him. That's the reason, and that's the reason that's not changed since Declan Kidney's time, and it's not changed from Andy Farrell's time. So that's what I hear. You know, he, he, yet yeah, you try and have those discussions, which is impossible online. It's nice to have a forum like this where you can have a chat and, and voice it out. Um, because not, not normally. I'm speaking to of you're talking to other Lancer fans and you, and, you, and you bounce the same idea off yourself, but uh, trying to have a rational discussion, I'm not saying I'm right it's just my opinion, I'm happy happy for people to comment <laughs> and say I'm talking bollocks but you know, the Ed Byrne for example, as we said, the Ed Byrne getting flown over to New Zealand was a prime example of, you know, here's here's five players who should be picked ahead of him, but the one reason he's been picked is is that reason and it's it's it, it, as, as the tipping balance happens maybe in the next five years, Munster will will start to get combinations through uh, you know, maybe Casey and Healy, who God knows, you know, who knows where we're going to be in five, you know, ten jerseys up for grabs Murray's on the way, you know, the way out or whatever in case, you know, he's getting older, so is Johnny you know, maybe maybe that's the reason the nine and ten will be picked from there, you know, we, we just we just don't know, Um, but but one thing I do know is that all the coaches through the professional area, cohesion is a factor, when you're given a short time you slot in somebody who's well able to slot in or training with them, you know, 365 days a year. It makes sense.
0: At least there wasn't a consternation when Michael Bent got his call up. I thought there would have been some there as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: A friend of the show, Michael Bent. No, I was just going to say, it, like, thanks to Coach Tom for using logic uh, and small words to to bring that forward. Because, like, when when there's a lot of players who are relatively close in skill level, that those are the things you look for. Get, are you off the plane in your in your jersey in your tracksuit? Can you pack down straight away? And that's that's why that decision was made. And I'm sure that was verbalized to the other people who were close to being called up. But everyone online, instead of thinking about it, just lost their minds. Because I know we all love having a rant on social media. That's great. we've got to remember that, you know, we have to buy our jerseys. We have to buy our tracksuits. They are given them. And the reason they are given them is because they know what they're doing. And this ABL situation that we're talking about, while it's real and all that sort of stuff, it's illogical. If we were given the track suit or if any of our brothers and sisters from Munster, Connacht or Ulster were in the big chair, picking the big team, their livelihood depended on it. The, the squad that went away to New Zealand wouldn't be any different. Injuries aside, all that sort of stuff. That's what it is. And I think what we can do, we can start a reset ahead of the season because I, I do feel that there's a, we do need to come back together a wee bit for the big jersey. And this is the hippie and me coming together. If people think that there was an issue with that selection for New Zealand, verbalize it in the comments below on the Harper and Ruby Facebook page. What a page it is. If you're not following it, better follow it. <laughs> but verbalize it below and have a very nice conversation about it. If you are logical in your argument, you will be listened to. If you are illogical, you will be ignored. And that's the way we need to do it.
0: Yeah, that's the general philosophy think, for online. Yeah,
2: Connor. I, I, I was just going to say, like, I'm sure we've all sat be it in a pub or in a stadium or wherever, and, you know, the the squad announcement has happened and we're talking about it with somebody else. And we've all had those moments where it's, you know, where, where you'd look at another team and you'd say, geez, you know, so-and-so from your side was a bit unlucky now to not make that. I'd say that was a tight call. And, you know, and, and the real fans have those conversations where you recognize, you see the value In the other team's players you know we've we've had chats looking at fellas like gavin coons and you know and 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 we've all said things like there is a quality player and jack conan better watches back um because that's the reality we understand we recognize and we see the value in other teams players and i think that's all any of us really want where you're not looking at the value in a player because he's from a particular province you're looking at the value in a player and the quality he has based on the green jersey and nothing else that's that's what needs to to happen for this thing of anyone but or why my team and not yours or whatever just just look at it in, in the context of the green jersey take off your whatever color tinted glasses and look at it for the big picture
0: Definitely. And I just want to read out, uh, we had a contribution from our WhatsApp group as well. Um, Our friend from Gibraltar, Mr. Richard Massoud, big Leinster fan contributed a lot to the, uh, to the pod over the years and we'll see him again this season. But uh, he sent in a few thoughts. He said, just a few thoughts from me. I think ABL is definitely a thing and it's typical of opposition fans as opposed to supporters whose teams are less successful than Leinster. I personally don't subscribe to it because whilst I staunchly support my team and while I happily engage in banter with rival supporters, I'm not into the anyone but brigades. The best example is the Haino, where unless they're playing Leinster, I'll certainly root for the other provinces against whoever they play. Similarly, I don't see how you can cheer Tideburn, Peter O'Mahony, Hanson, Bundy, and Alan Green and suddenly vilify them when they play for their provinces. In short, I'll obviously always want Leinster to win and I'm up for the banter, but I don't agree with the anyone but mentality. Sadly, I suspect many disagree. And I think that's, uh, that pretty much sums up everything we've said here for the past hour. But it's good to know because, um, I mean, I, I, I wanted to talk about this. I was worried. I didn't want it to sound like we're like, Oh, poor us, poor Leinster fans. People are giving out about us, but I, we haven't done that either. I think we've talked about it. We've, we've uh, defined something that we see in other people's talk online. It, it, it's definitely there uh, looking forward. It's still going to be there. It's not going to change. Um, I just think, I just think maybe going into this coming season, we're going ahead towards another world cup. There's going to be more Ireland selections, um, there's been a lot more provincial rugby before that. Maybe just know to call it out when you see it, no to ignore it when it's too too crazy, too ridiculous. know when to uh, reach for the block button and stuff. But um, we also have to encourage the banter as well. We have to you know uh, you know get get engaged and get you know uh, get into the get into the spirit. But I think most importantly, it's 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 cheering that Ireland jersey more than anything else and appreciating that the coaches. I don't think Harry, Andy Farrell gives a flying fuck what country, what province they're coming from, where they w- went to school even, what they did or what's going on. He's picking the team that he wants to play. Like Tom said, it's about units. It's about uh, players who are used to playing each other. And it's not just now. It's happened all the way through the years. So the I'm fact thinking- that
2: he hasn't come from a province is great mm. because we can't turn around and say, well, he coached Leinster for five years so he's- or he coached Munster or he coached whoever. He hasn't come from that. He's come from the outside in. So there's no way he can have that kind of provincial bias that some people suggest.
0: Yeah, because we had that. I mean, that's another thing that's kind of spanned the length of this uh, Harpen and Rigby as well over the years. It started with Deccan Kidney as coach, so that's Munster. Um, but then Joe Schmidt came over, so he was Leinster, and there was still a lot of there was still a lot of uh, animosity from the from the kidney years towards the end of the kidney years when Schmidt took over. So then it was a Leinster team, but now we've got Angie Farrell, who's just coming in and picking the teams. He's just—he's just. I mean, I'm not saying the other guys were doing anything else, but it's just—you've got—he's—he's he's just focused. He's looking at the—he comes out, and he sees players. He doesn't care whether they're Irish qualified or uh, what province they play for or what they did. These—this—these these are my guys. I w- I've got a match next Saturday. This is the 23. I want to win that match. And the most important thing is—and this is why I'm relating this to the season just gone—they're winning. And they found a formula and they're enjoying the rugby and they're having success. And why can't we just enjoy that and not worry about uh, who else is going to get because these other players coming up, these Timonys and these Coombses and all, they're all, they're fighting to get in the team. I heard, I heard a comment where someone said, Gavin Coombs is beating down the door to get into this team. And that's true, but there's four guys propping it up on the other side. And that's what we want. That's what we want from the team, and then it's, it's a good thing. It doesn't really matter what their provincial jerseys are. No, it doesn't.
1: And, and they've they've got to do the work though. Coombs is close, and so like there are a lot of players who are close. They're knocking on the door. What they need to do, and they, it's it, it's quite logical and and easy to follow. They've got to play pressure, knockout rugby. They've got to perform against the incumbents. They've got to put the people who own that jersey or who are first to pick for that position under pressure. Now Coombs. Has, does that, let's say, three games out of five. If he gets that percentage up to four and a half games out of five, then we ask serious questions. But as we sit right now, as we sit presently, he's not doing that. That's the logical part of it. But he, he knows the work he has to do. And there's a, every position, bar our important jersey, has that going on, which is great. But it's it's not about leaving someone out because they play somewhere. It's about who's doing the job. It's very, very simple. This is ordinary level. Ordinary level maths. I passed that. That's what this is.
3: Any final thoughts, Sam? Yeah, no, as, as Kigo said, you, you have to perform against the incumbents. And in some instances, you have to perform against the people that are backing up those incumbents. Andy Farrell, like myself, and I'm sure anyone else was at it, was, was at Munster Leinster in Lansdowne Road in May. And uh, when Ed Byrne and Alex Sorocco and John McKee and Joe McCarty and, and Cormac Foley were all playing, and, and, and Munster with a better team I know we're, we're happened on back to Munster versus Leinster here but I suppose that's what's at the core of it and you don't see it as much from other provinces um, if he had looked at that game he would be going you know how, how can I justify picking X, Y and Z here when, when they're not performing against a shadow team and in fairness Munster the Munster proper supporters call that out as it as was it was shite it was, it was a feckin' disaster it was poor it was, it was it was, really the, 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 the line under the Van Gran era um, wasn't good enough. And, and rightly so. I'd, I'd say the same thing if it was the other way around. You just wouldn't, you know, that's not good enough. Um, but at the end of the day, Farl um, and his coaching team is in the stand looking at this as well. And, he's, you know, you've got you to perform against your incumbents. And, and until Munster in this instance start beating Leinster on a regular basis... Well, you know, the arguments are mute. 12 out a thirteen or something at the moment, if you if you take the rainbow cup match out of it, I remember the mid-90s we were going on, on getting beaten 30 nil and 18 nil, and his shoe was on the other foot and, and, and kidney was picking the better players then. So that's just that's sport, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in rugby in particular, as well. There's another element to this. I forgot I meant to say earlier on that the way the Irish team gets picked, it's a it's a function of the the, the rugby calendar. So like you've got a team, you've got the Andy Farrell would have the team in November. He'd have the squad for the whole month and he'd get, he'd have a core idea and he's trying to formulate his plans for the six nations, but then they go, everyone goes back to their provinces, but they don't really play for their provinces unless it's in, um, unless it's in the the Heineken cup. So you get big intra pro matches over the Christmas where there's Leinster against Ulster and Leinster against Munster and big matches, but it's not the best teams playing. But then you'll have fringe players playing then and that's when the people are saying oh he should be playing, he should be picked he should be picked, he's on form, he had a great match on Stevens Day or all this is going on. But then when it comes to selecting the Six Nations, they've already made their choices based on how the squad they saw back in November. So the team gets picked and it's like the same guys and all the uproar starts again. It's not There's not a lot of appreciation of the actual process and how the team gets picked.
2: It's a long time since Leinster's first team and Munster's first team have played against each other. And in fact, you could say that for for Leinster's first team and any of the provinces I think over the last couple of years that with the exception of knockout rugby, it hasn't been a first team versus a first team because you've got, you get you've got those who are on centralized contracts and they you know oh you've got minutes now so you can, you can't play him for this batch of matches or whatever and it's you know it's unrealistic to expect that those games will tell you who should be getting picked
1: yeah Kiko
2: one final thought
1: so yeah I don't know if this is for today or for another pod but I was just thinking as the guys were talking centralised contracts are also a positive and a negative here if if you have a centralised contract and you are healthy you are in the green jersey, you're in the squad. It doesn't make business sense to not be in the in the squad. So you look at players who maybe got renewed relatively recently, I've not taken aim at anyone in particular, but if they are not performing as they should be, but have a centralised contract, they are holding players back. Because regardless of what happens behind them, this is another issue, what happens behind no, them doesn't matter because they don't have a central contract. And if you have a central contract, you get on the plane. So it's a, it's a delicate balance there in terms of those uh, those golden tickets and how we hand them out because there are players now currently who we wouldn't pick for the next World Cup who are sitting there with a guaranteed place as long as they're not injured, as long as they're you know, relatively fit, relatively functional it doesn't make business sense for them not to go to the World Cup. so it's another thing to keep in the back of the mind not quite what we were talking about today but it's it's something to think about going forward
0: well listen lads that was a great chat we could talk we could talk for hours on this and uh, say, say a lot more but I think we've covered I think we've covered it really well I mean it's uh, it's something I've always wanted to talk about it's something that's kind of always there lurking in the background. It's not the most important part of the season. We're going to have a lot to harp on uh, for the season ahead when it kicks off in a couple of weeks. And can't wait to get us all back on talking about things like the, the Leinster squad for the new season, our chances for the new campaign, own against the Springboks in, in, in November, all that stuff. It's a lot to look forward to. But uh, I want to thank you all for coming on and talking about this. I'm going to cut now the most... Uh, the most tantalizing pieces that Pete pieces out and stick them straight on Twitter, which means mostly Kego stuff and uh, put it on, put it on Twitter (laughs) to, to, to stir up all the Munster fans and all come on and listen um, uh, straight away because that's, that's what you're supposed to do. It's all about clickbait. Now, isn't it? I'm going to get on with that, but I want to thank you all for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Thanks again, let's
1: cheers. Happy anniversary, Jeff. Cheers. Cheers, guys.
0: Many thanks again to Kigo, Connor, and Tom for offering their time. To keep up with all our content throughout the season, be sure to bookmark our page. Remember, it's a new address now, www.harpononrugby.com. If you want to join the conversation, feel free to leave a comment or voice message. The links to all our social media channels are in the program
1: notes. We'll be back next week with another preseason chat. So in the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Slan.